The Bradford Exchange presents The Classic Radio Theater with your host, Carl Amari. Countdown for blast off. X minus one. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Richard Diamond, private detective. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Dragnet. We offer you escape. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. The Jack Benny Program. Welcome, everyone, to episode 57 of the Classic Radio Theater. Each week, the Bradford Exchange and participating sponsors bring you three hours of the classic radio theater featuring programming from the golden age of radio. This time, we'll hear two horror episodes of The Mysterious Traveler, starring Maurice Tarplin. We'll begin after this break. The Mysterious Traveler was a malevolent male figure. In one episode, he described himself as a retired doctor who rode the same passenger train every week. He invited listeners on a journey into the realm of mystery and the unknown that might include ghosts, time travelers, death row inmates, crooked lawyers, or mad scientists. Created by Robert Arthur and David Kogan, The Mysterious Traveler came to Mutual Radio in 1943 and was mostly broadcast without a sponsor. Maurice Tarplin was the voice of the Traveler, who could also be heard in supporting roles if you listened closely. Supporting casts included Santos Ortega, Ross Martin, Art Carney, who would later play Ed Norton on The Honeymooners, Lon Clark, Jackson Beck, Lawson Zerby, and Joseph Julian. Arthur and Cogan would often recycle scripts for The Mysterious Traveler that they wrote for their two other series, The Strange Doctor Weird and The Sealed Book. In 1952, the last year it was on the air, the series won the Edgar Allan Poe Award for Best Mystery Radio Show of the Year. Time now for the first of two horror episodes of The Mysterious Traveler, starring Maurice Tarplin. In this first story, a scientist creates a blob of protoplasm in his lab that turns into an artificial man-made monster. Here's If You Believe on The Mysterious Traveler from December 29, 1946. The Mysterious Traveler This is the Mysterious Traveler, inviting you to join me on another journey into the realm of the strange and the terrifying. I hope you will enjoy the trip, that it will thrill you a little and uh, chill you a little. So settle back and get a good grip on your nerves, if you can. Where are we going? Why, tonight we're going on a little excursion into the realm of pure imagination. You've all heard the old saying, believe in a thing enough and it'll come true. Well, suppose, just suppose many people came to believe in something, something that couldn't possibly be real. Such as an artificial monster 
growing in a scientist's laboratory. What would happen? Well, if you want to know what might happen, uh, listen to the story I call... If You Believe. My story begins in a rambling old house deep in the woods. In a homemade laboratory, gray-haired Professor Jonathan Davis is peering eagerly into a large glass container that holds an odd, transparent, jelly-like substance. Ellen! Oh, Ellen! Yes, dear? Ellen, come quick. I'm coming, dear. What is it? Ellen, look. I think... I think I've succeeded at last. Oh, Dad. You look, your eyes are better than mine. Yes, isn't there movement in the protoplasm this time? Isn't it stirring J just a little? No, Dad. There isn't any movement. No? You're positive, Ellen? I, I was sure I saw some sign of light. I'm quite positive, Dad. Now, please, won't you admit that what you're trying to do is impossible? No, Ellen, no. I will succeed. I know it. Now, come, we've got to try another feeding mixture. You see, hand me the saline solution and the dextrose, and I'll begin again. But while Professor Davis labored in his lonely seclusion to make a lifelong dream come true, something that was to affect him vitally was happening in the editorial room of the largest newspaper in the nearby city. Steady desk, Benson speaking. Oh, oh, hello, Mr. McGuire. Yes? Well, yes, sure, I've been reading Dan Duncan's special features. I edit them. I see. You don't think they've been colorful enough lately, huh? Well, to tell the truth, I agree with you. I've been meaning to speak to him about it. Yes. Sure, I'll do it now. He just came in. Right. Right. Good night, Mr. McGuire. Hey, Dan. Yeah, Joe. What cooks? The big boss just phoned down. What's he want? Well, frankly, he thinks you're slipping. McGuire thinks I'm slipping. Well, I like that. That's what he said. And I've done everything to get hot material except to go out and commit a murder myself. Well, maybe he's tired of murders. You want to know why you don't turn up something like that haunted house story you did last spring? Why, I don't. <laughs> that was a good story, wasn't it? It was a honey. Yeah. Especially the description of the way the ghost of the drowned girl walked around the house, leaving wet spots where it stepped. You know, I caught a heck of a cold walking around in wet socks to make those footmarks. No more than you deserve for faking a story. Yeah, faking a story. Listen, Benson, any time a million readers believe a story, it's true. And they believed in that ghost. Every one of them. I'm not saying they didn't, but McGuire wants another story just as good. I've got a good mind to tell the old buzzard to fly a kite. Another story like... Hey. Huh? What is it? I think I got it. Hey, Ted. Ted Jones. Oh, yeah, Dan. Front and center. Oh. Yeah, what is it, Dan? All right, dump your camera on the desk and sit. Okay. Now, tell me, what was that story you told me last week about some professor living up in the woods back at town... Never coming out of his private lab. Oh, you mean uh, Professor Davis? Yeah, I saw one. Yeah. Well, what about him? There was a fuss over something he said in a lecture one day, wasn't there? A fuss? 
Oh, it was more like an explosion. Hey, wait a minute. I remember that case. The professor claimed he could create an artificial man, wasn't that it? No, 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 no. He said that an artificial man might be produced someday. Uh, might be. Well, the paper said he claimed he could create one. Yeah, I know. Well, it made a good story, didn't it? And drove Professor Davis out of the university into retirement. Oh, the school didn't like the publicity. Water under the bridge, kid. Anyway, here's the old professor working away secretly for the last five years. All alone. No, no, he, he wasn't all alone. His daughter Ellen's with him. How old is she? Oh, she was 15 then, so... She's 20 now. Good looker? Well, I was in Professor Davis's class. I remember as a... Well, as a skinny brat with uh, yellow hair. Yeah, good, a blonde. So here's the prof secretly working with his beautiful blonde daughter at what? I'll bite. What? Why, he's trying to prove he was right. He's trying to create a, an artificial man. Say, you've got something there. Oh, no, wait a minute. You don't know Professor Davis is trying to create artificial life. Well, we soon will. You know where his hideout is, don't you? Yeah. All but... right, then grab your camera. Let's get going. Oh, no, wait a minute, Dan. Suppose you find Professor Davis is... Ah, oh, forget it. Benson, save me two columns. Come on, Ted. We're on our way. There, Ellen. It's done. Now we must warm it ever so gently. It'll stay at blood heat until morning. And then, Ellen... Oh, I hope so, Dad, but... Darling, if you fail again, won't you please promise me to stop trying to create this artificial protoplasm? Well, we'll talk about that in the morning. Now, I... Oh, who could that be? I'll go see, Dad. Yes? I'm Ted Jones, Miss Davis. I don't suppose you remember me. Ted Jones? Oh, you were one of Father's students, weren't you? Yes, that's right. I'm a newspaper photographer now. Oh. Uh, could we come in? I have a friend with me, a reporter. Ellen, and... who is it? Uh, newspaper men, Dad, they want to see you. Newspaper men, don't let them in. Send them away. I right, come now, Professor. We just want to ask you a couple of questions, and uh, but we can talk better inside, so... Uh... There. Now we can talk like friends. Hey, but, Dan, we weren't invited in. How dare you force your way in here? Get out, both of you. Please go. Dan, come on. Professor Davis doesn't want to talk to us. Keep your shirt on, Ted. Just a couple of questions, Professor. Now, isn't it true that hidden away here, you're creating artificial life? I won't answer your questions. You just print more lies and ruin everything I'm trying to do. Then you are creating artificial life, huh? Young man, I... Tell me how far you've gotten. You figuring on springing an artificial man on us one of these days? You fools. While I still struggle to create synthetic protoplasm, you talk of artificial men. Go, go before I throw you out. Please go, please. Come on, Dan, we're leaving. Okay, we're going. Thanks for the interview, Professor. Read all about it in tomorrow's curtain. The imbeciles. What do they know of science? All they want is to cheapen my work. Make it a sensation for the headlines. Oh, please, Father, you must get control of yourself. They've gone now. Yes, yes, dear. They shan't interfere with my work. Well... Come, we must adjust the heat and... Ellen. Ellen. Yes, Dad, what is it? Ellen, the mixture's moving. This time I'm sure of it. The protoplasm, it, it's alive. Say, Dan, this is something. Uh -huh. Behind bolted doors deep in the woods... 
Professor Jonathan Davis toils night and day to create the world's first synthetic man. In a great vat lies a strange caricature of humanity. It has a head, arms, legs, a body, all of them fashioned of a pale green substance like gelatin. Nice touch, huh? Day by day, life stirs more strongly in this grotesque creation of science. Someday it may breathe, walk, eat. Now look, Dan, aren't you going pretty strong? Ah, forget it. The old man wants a story, doesn't he? Besides, the professor really is working on synthetic protoplasm. Maybe he has got a pale green monster in his bathtub. How do I know? Okay, Dan, but if you're faking this story, I know nothing about it. Faking it? You know I never fake stories. Okay. We'll set this up and put it in the press wires. By noon tomorrow, 40 million people will be believing in Professor Davis' artificial monster. By noon tomorrow, I'll be believing in it myself. And so, all over the nation, people read the story and marveled and believed. While in the laboratory, hidden in the woods. Alan, look. This time, this time it is alive. It is. There can be no doubt of it. The liquid is certainly moving, Dad. Yes, see? And the protoplasm is breathing. Listen. You can hear it. I've created artificial life, Ellen. Yes, I'm I'm afraid so, Dad. Afraid? So what do you mean? I'd like to see their faces down at the university when they hear of this. It's grown since last night. Yes, it has. The cells are multiplying like true protoplasm. That's why I transferred it to this gas tank. Now I must add salt, acid, phosphorus. Oh, that, that must be grocery boy. Excuse me, Dad. Yes? Oh, you... Uh, Miss Davis, I hope that you'll let me apologize. We have nothing to say to you. Please don't shut the door before I explain. Explain? There's nothing to explain. You force your way in here I came to apologize for that. Well, have you seen the morning papers? We're not interested in the papers. I'm afraid you'll be interested in this one. Look. Oh, how outrageous. That story of your father creating an artificial man is in every paper in the country, and I... Well, I feel I'm to blame, and... I want to make up for it. Can I come in so we can talk? I guess you'd better, Mr. Jones. But Dad mustn't see this paper. Oh, no, no, of course not. But won't he recognize me? No, I don't think so. He's very nearsighted. I'll just tell him that you used to be one of his students. And if you'll tell me the real truth, I'll try to get the paper to understand that Dan Duncan just made up his story. Who is it, Ellen? Uh, it, it's Ted Jones, Dad, one of your former students. He, he called to say hello. Jones, eh? Jones? Yes. Ted Jones? Oh, yes, yes, of course. Organic chemistry, wasn't it, Jones? Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> You're the one who kept breaking things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jones, I-, I have something here you'd be very interested in. Come and see. Yes, sir. Look. That stuff in the tank. That seems to be alive. It is alive. Synthetic protoplasm, my boy, the first ever created. It's breathing. Yes, and it's also growing. Life becomes stronger by the moment. It's changing color, Dad. 
becoming a pale green. Yes, growing fast. Very fast. I never dreamed that success would come Hello, so completely. Hi, it's Dan. I thought I'd find you here. Why, Dan? Dan Duncan himself. Hiya, Professor. What do you want here? Oh, just a few pictures. Shot of you and your lab, so far. You have the nerve to come here after what you've done. What I've done? You haven't seen anything yet. You and your father are big news now. You're going to be bigger. Dan, you'd better go. Better go? I don't follow you, kid. I said you'd better go. There isn't any story here for you. No story? Hey, what's eating you? Aren't you here to get a follow-up? No, I came here to get the truth. Something you wouldn't be interested in. Hey, what kind of talk is that? Are you going to go or will I have to throw you out? Throw me out? Now listen, kid. You want me to try it? All right, I will. Oh, you... oh. Okay. Okay, I'm going. Take your hands off of me. But don't think you can get away with this. You're fired. And that's all right with me. And it's for you, Professor. You and your artificial man are going to be so well-known in a day or two. You'll be getting offers from Hollywood. And so, with each edition of the papers, the headlines grew bigger. Telegraph wires carried editorials condemning Professor Davis. Is it a man or is it a monster Professor Davis has created? By his refusal to answer questions, the professor led us to suspect that this creation... Radio commentators spread the story to still more listening millions. A strange substance like pale green gelatin. Now it moves and stirs in its confinement, seeking to escape. This strange creation of the century. And speakers denounced Professor Davis. And I ask you, can science be permitted to venture into these forbidden realms unchecked? Who knows what horror may emerge from the laboratory if we are not careful? This mad thing must be stopped. Stopped. Hey, did you have any trouble? No, no, I got the medicine for your father, all right, and I I brought the evening papers, too. What do they say? Pretty bad. They're all using Duncan's story, and he shot the works. Ted, how can he do such a thing? Well, he's a very plausible writer. He has a knack for making people believe him. Mm-hmm. If anybody accuses him of lying, he'll just say that he was misled by your father. I see. I'm sorry you lost your job trying to help us. That doesn't matter. I was about ready to quit anyway. How how is your father now? He seems to be sleeping quietly. Well, I'm sticking around until he's all right again. You don't have to do that, Ted. I'll make out. If I hadn't gotten into that fight with Duncan, your father might not have had his stroke. No, it was just the excitement. It's his heart, but I know how to take care of him. But, Ted, I'm frightened. About your father? No. No, about it. The protoplasm. Oh. It's changed just since this morning. It's changed? How? It's grown and... Well, come on, see if he's... All right. Helen, it seems to be taking on shape. Yes, and it looks... Oh, Ted, it looks like green gelatin. Just the way Duncan describes it. And look... It's a vague shape like a head and 
and the rough outline of arms and legs. Oh, Oh, it isn't possible. It shouldn't be, but it's happening. Something terrible is taking place inside that glass tank. I don't understand it. Your father certainly never intended to create this. You know, all afternoon I've been wondering if father really has created it. I don't follow you, Ellen. You mean... You mean some outside force might be responsible? Ted, you know the old saying, believe in a thing enough and it'll come true. Yes, of course. Well, I think that's true. The power of belief is a tremendous thing. People begin to believe that... Well, that there's going to be a depression, and there is a depression. But Ellen... They begin to believe that strangers and foreigners are enemies, and pretty soon they are enemies. They believe there's going to be a war, and war comes. Well, that's true, but what are you getting at? How many people are reading Dan Duncan's story this very minute, right now, while we're talking? Hundreds of thousands, probably, all over the nation. Maybe a million. And they all believe it's true. Well, a good many of them. Yes, Dan has a genius for being plausible. Then don't you see, Ted? Here in this laboratory is the necessary material for a monster. And out there are all those people believing in such a fantastic monster. You mean... You mean a million people are thinking life into the protoplasm? Yes, Ted. I know it sounds fantastic, but that monster was never created by my father. Dan Duncan created it when he wrote about it. Well, if that's true... There's no other answer. Over there in that glass tank is something that's alive only because millions of people believe it's alive. No, it is alive. There's no telling what it may become. Ellen, we have to destroy it. It'll break Dad's heart, but we can't let it live. But it's growing bigger by the minute. We've got to get rid of it now before it grows any larger. There's acid in those bottles. There, that'll destroy it. All right. Yeah, yeah, I see. Here. Just as soon as I get it open... Take care of the creature. Be careful, Ted. It, it can burn you dreadfully. Ellen, Ellen, what's happening? What are you doing? Dad, darling, you're supposed to be in bed. Yeah, I'm feeling better. I wanted to see how the protoplasm was. Please go back to bed, Dot. Your heart. Oh, my heart's all right, but I must be sure. Oh, it's changed. It's taken on a form. Yes, Professor, a monstrous, unnatural form. It has a head, arms, legs... But it can't have. It's it's only protoplasm. It's all impossible. Unfortunately, it's true. I can't explain now, but, well, we've got to destroy it. No, no, the culmination of my life's work. You can't destroy it. We must, Dad. No, no, I won't let you. It's the only thing to do. Professor, look at it. It, it, It's crawling around inside the tank now. It's trying to climb out. But it can't be dangerous. It's just harmless protoplasm. Dad, Ted is right. You've got to let us kill it. It's just protoplasm, I tell you. It was just protoplasm. Stand back, Professor. I'm going to empty this acid on it. No, no, you mustn't. I will. Dad! Dad! Professor Davis! Professor Davis, look out! Why, the tank. He he fell against the tank and broke it. Is he hurt, Ted? Oh, I'll see. Ted, the protoplasm is moving toward him. We've got to get him out of here. I have his arms. Quick, you take his feet. I have them. Right. Oh, hurry up, Ted. It's trying to crawl out of the tank. Got to get him upstairs. Can you manage it? Yes, yes. Keep on. All right, easy now, easy. All right, just a little farther. All right, one more step, Ellen. There. Now, here's the landing. We can we can put him down here. Now, easy. Easy. There. Oh. Oh. Ted. Ted, I can't find his pulse. 
Let me try. Dad. Ted's no use. He's gone. I'm afraid so. His heart failed him. I've always known it would someday. Ted, down in the laboratory. Yes, it's moving. Look, it's gotten out of the tank and it's crawling all around the lab. And the only way out is down those stairs and through the lab. We're trapped up here. I'm not saying it isn't a good story, Dan. It's a whale of a story. But McGuire wants some pictures. Pictures? How can I get pictures? I can't even get into the place. I don't care. Just get them. You want me to bust in the window, I suppose. Let your conscience be your guide. And I know you haven't got a conscience. But make it fast. I want those shots for the late morning edition. All right. I'm going. With a camera in one hand and a bunch of skeleton keys in the other. It's looking for food, Ted. Yes, and it's getting frantic. Look how it crawls back and forth through the lab. It's been doing that for an hour now. Look how enormous it's grown. Suppose it tries to come up these stairs to this balcony. Well, it may not. It it has no eyes, no intelligence. It's it's just protoplasm, blindly seeking food. But suppose it does try to come up the stairs. Well, then we'll stop it. I have the gun here that I found in your father's desk up I'll use that on it. I don't think it would even feel a bullet. Well, we'll see. There. There, it's on the other side of the lab now, in plain sight. Stand back, dear, and I'll try a couple of shots. I hit it. It didn't even notice. No. If we could only reach those bottles of acid, that would fix it. But every time we've started down the stairs, it's rushed over to wait for us. must feel the vibration, but... I'm going to take one more try. Ted, please be careful. Yes, I will. Tiptoe down one step at a time. Perhaps I can avoid attracting its attention this time. What's it doing now? Lying quiet, as if it was listening. Only lie quiet a few seconds more. I'm almost at the bottom. Ted, quick! It's coming this way! Ted, it almost got yes, you. Yes, it did touch my foot, but I wasn't interested in getting any better acquainted. What are we going to do now? I don't know. I don't know, Ellen. I don't know if we could only reach that acid. Say, I wonder if it would make any difference if we turned out the lights. They can be controlled from up here, can't they? Oh, yes, but what good would that do? Well, in the dark, it might become inactive. Some elementary organisms are like that. Well, we can try it. Okay, I'll, I'll turn out the lights. There pitch black now. But it's still moving around. Just wait a moment. Listen. What is it, Tim? I heard footsteps outside the house. Footsteps? Just listen. There's someone coming in the front door. Tim, there's someone in the lab. But who would... Good heavens, I'll... Duncan, is that you, Dan? Dan, answer me. Is that you? Get out. Get out. Quick. Okay, kid. Keep your shirt on. I'm going as soon as I get a picture of this joint. But, Dan, you don't understand. It's loose. Get away. Quick. Ellen, turn on that light. Yes, Ted. <laughs> you can't scare me, kid. 
I came to get a picture, and I'm going to get it. Wait, wait. Run, man, run! Ellen, Ellen, don't look. Don't look. Here, you take this one. Right. I'll take one. We'll break them over and understand. Get it. Well, come on, then. He's gone. Duncan's gone. It's covering him. It's eating him. Oh. Ellen, throw your bottle now. It is burning into it. It's killing it. Ellen is dying. It's not moving anymore. It's not breathing either. We've killed it. It's starting to melt away. It's dissolving. Now that it's dead, it's turning back into the liquid it started from. The substance that the belief of millions gave an unreal life to. It's gone back to a liquid now. There's nothing left of it. It's gone as if it had never existed. Except for Dan Duncan. Oh, T. There's nothing we can do for him, Ellen. He's dead. He created the monster. And it's killed him. This is the mysterious traveler again. Well, maybe it's true about believing in things and making them happen. Wars and depressions and uh, artificial monsters and things like that. I think I'll make a New Year's resolution to be careful what I believe in 1947. Uh, no more believing in bogeymen or spooks. I might meet one. Instead, I'll try believing in some of the... Uh, some of the nicer things for a change, such as peace and goodwill among nations. Well, if I can get enough people to join me, maybe they'll come true and... Oh, you have to get off here. I'm sorry. But I'm sure we'll meet again. I take this same train every week at this time. have just heard The Mysterious Traveler, a series of dramas of the strange and terrifying. In today's cast were Maurice Toplin, Chuck Webster, Louise Fitch, Wendell Holmes, Edgar Staley, and Bill Smith. Original music was played by Doc Whipple. The Mysterious Traveler is written, produced, and directed by Bob Arthur and David Kogan. And now, a preview of next week's strange and shivery story by the mysterious traveler. It's only two days now to New Year's Eve. Were you planning a big celebration to greet 1947? I'd be careful if I were you. Because, you see, our story next week is about a man who did just that. In fact, it was such a big celebration that when he got over it, it wasn't 1947 at all... But 1948, 
he lost a whole year out of his life. And when he finally got the year back, well, what happened to him shouldn't happen to a werewolf. So take it easy, New Year's Eve, so you'll be sure to be on hand next week for the strange and terrifying tale I call New Year's Nightmare. The Mysterious Traveler is presented from our New York studios. Carl Caruso speaking. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. And that's The Mysterious Traveler with If You Believe, starring Maurice Tarplin from December 29, 1946, as heard over Mutual. All of the classic radio shows we present on this series are direct from the master recordings. I have more than 100,000 original radio episodes under license from the owners and estates, and we make them available via digital download or on CD through our Classic Radio Club. By joining the Classic Radio Club, you'll receive 10 superior-sounding Classic Radio shows sent directly to you each month, along with detailed liner notes and photos of the radio stars. You'll receive your first 10 Classic Radio episodes for only $1, and you can cancel at any time. To learn more about the Classic Radio Club, log on to ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. I'll have another horror episode of The Mysterious Traveler after this break. Welcome back to the Classic Radio Theater. I'm your host, Carl Amari. This time, a mad professor in the Louisiana swamps invents the perfect insect killer, and the local bugs don't like it one bit. Here's the man the insects hated on The Mysterious Traveler from July 27, 1947. Mutual presents The Mysterious Traveler. This is The Mysterious Traveler, inviting you to join me on another journey into the realm of the strange and the terrifying. I hope you will enjoy the trip, that it will thrill you a little and chill you a little. So settle back, get a good grip on your nerves, and be comfortable. If you can. It's the end of July and rather warm, isn't it? There's probably an insect or two buzzing around in your living room right this moment or banging against your screen trying to get in. Before we go any further, you better get rid of it. If you do, you'll breathe easier as you hear the unusual story I have for you today. The story I call... The Man the Insects Hated. My story begins in a homemade laboratory in a crumbling mansion on the edge of a bayou, deep in the heart of the Louisiana swamps. Outside, the air is filled with the strident hum and buzz of insects, uncounted swarms of them crawling and hopping and flying in the hot, lush atmosphere. Inside the laboratory, the air is filled with the same sound as a small man with graying hair 
lifts a wire insect trap to a table. Listen to them, Mary. How they hate me, every one of them. The flies, the bees, the hornets, the beetles, the locusts, the spiders, they all hate me. Oh, John, they don't hate you. They're just bugs. They can't hate you. Yes, but listen to them hum and buzz when I come near. <laughs> they know me. And the reason they're so upset is that they know that we're enemies. And that I'm going to destroy them. Destroy them utterly. All right, John. <sighs> oh, Mary, you look tired. This life we've been leading the last few months, it's very dreary for you, isn't it? It's all right, John. It doesn't matter. Oh, but it does. These swamps, they must seem like the last outpost of creation to you. You always did love the city and the lights, the movement, the gaiety. I'm all right. You mustn't worry about me. It's only... It's such a struggle. If we had someone to help us, it would be easier. But no one will come out here and work for us. Yes, I know, my darling. Believe me, I do. But it's only for a little while. Soon we'll be rich. I promise it. All right, John. I'll be patient. You do believe me, Mary. You know that I'm on the verge of success now, don't you? That last formula, you saw how quickly it killed every insect in the cage? Yes, I know. It was wonderful, John. Yes, and you know yourself what it'll mean to the world. The perfect insect killer, something much better than DDT. Why, it will be tremendous. It will make the worst jungle livable. It'll cut down disease and increase the crops and... There's someone at the door. Yes. That's very odd. I wonder who it could be. I'll see. Perhaps it's Dr. Guernsey or, or Mr. Conway, the druggist. They promised to call. Good morning. Is Professor Hansen in? Why, why, yes, he is. Come in quickly. There's so many flies. Yeah. Seems like the air is full of bugs outside. Never saw so many in my life. What is it, Mary? It's uh, someone to see you, John. I don't know who. Andrews, the name, Professor. Martin Andrews. Say, you... Really are out in the wilds here, aren't you? Thought I'd never find you. Yes, we are rather isolated, but... Uh... You're wondering who I am and what I want here. The truth is, I was in Conway's drugstore back in town, and he told me you might be able to use a handyman. Oh, a handyman. Yes, we can use a handyman. How much do you want? Oh, not very much. I guess 25 bucks a week would do me. We can manage that, I think. But on second thought, I don't know. I'm not crazy about these swamps with all these bugs around. And... Oh, please try it anyway, Mr. Andrews. My husband is engaged on some very important research, and he needs help badly. Oh. Well, when you put it like that, Mrs. Hansen... Then you will stay. Yeah, I'll stay. <laughs> what have I got to lose? Maybe I'll like it better than I thought at first. Excellent, Mr. Andrews, excellent. Oh, just call me Martin, Professor. Uh, uh, yes, Martin, yes. Now, there are a lot of details that you can help me with. Uh, now, take this watch and... Uh... Lunch will be ready in a minute. Oh, yes, my dear, yes. Uh, take this watch, Martin, and uh, you see this wire trap full of insects? Yeah. There must be thousands of bugs in there. There are. You see, I'm working to discover the perfect insect exterminator. Oh, yeah, I see. Yes, and in this spray gun, I have my latest solution, Formula 312. And I'm going to spray it just once at this trap full of insects, and you are to time how long it takes them all to die. You're going to kill all those bugs with just one squirt from that sprayer? <laughs> I hope so. 
And they know it too. Listen to them hum. Uh, how they hate me. They know I'm going to kill them and they, they wish they could get free to kill me. Huh? Oh yes, yes they know me. Insects hate me. All insects, just as I hate them. They'd kill me if they could, but instead I'm going to kill them. <laughs> Have you got your eye on the watch? What? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Then start timing. Now, watch and listen. Say, that stuff really mows them down, Professor. Yes, they're dying now. A few of them are still trying to crawl around, but uh, there they go. Now, how long did it take? Uh... 29 seconds. It's good, but not quite good enough. But I'm sure I'm on the right track. Lunch is ready, John. Oh, yes, my dear. Yes, we're coming. Well, uh, Martin, do you think you're going to like working here, helping me develop my new insect killer? Yes, sir, Professor. I've got an idea it's going to be a lot more interesting here than I ever imagined. More coffee, John? Thank you, my dear. No, I want to go back to the lab to try a new formula. And um, while I'm mixing it, why don't you show Martin around the place? Why, That's I... a swell I... idea, Professor. I'd like to get wise to just what you're doing here. But I'm sure that John could show you around and explain everything better than I could. No, 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 not at all, Mary. And besides, you know how I feel about going outdoors. Well, all right, John, if you want me to. Fine. I'll get started on the new mixture right away, and uh, when you're through, I'll have something for you to do, Martin. Okay, Professor. Well, Mrs. Hanson, I'll be obliged to you if you'll give me the lowdown on everything. Well, all right, Martin. There are things that you really should know, so... So, that's how it is, huh? Mm-hmm. The professor is hipped on the subject of bugs and wants to rid the world of them. <laughs> and he thinks they all know it and hate him, huh? <laughs> oh, that's a hot one. <laughs> the bees and the mosquitoes and the flies. They all got it in for him, huh? <laughs> you mustn't laugh. I know it's a strange quirk of his mind, but it's a harmless one. And you must pretend not to notice anything odd about it. Okay, Mrs. Hanson, if you say so. You see, when he was a small boy, my husband was almost stung to death by a swarm of bees. That brought on his peculiar hatred of all insects and his belief that they hate him. Mm, sure, I can see how that'd be. And that's the reason why all his life he's been experimenting to find the perfect insect exterminator. It's screwy, but if he does find this perfect bug killer, it'll pay off big. Oh, he will find it. I'm sure of it. That's why I'm willing to... I mean, I, I'm sure he will. You were going to say that's why you're willing to stay here in this swamp because you think he'll find this bug killer and make a lot of money from it, huh? Well, that's the truth, ain't it, Mrs. Hanson? I... You're being impertinent. The first time I looked at you, I could see you weren't meant for a life like this. You were meant for pretty clothes and soft music, dancing, fun. Not for rotting away in a swamp that's only fit for bugs... You mustn't talk like that. I've got to go back to the house. No, no, not yet. Listen, 
The minute I stepped inside that house, I knew you were eating your heart out all for fun and people and pretty things. I don't know what you're talking about. Let go of my wrist. Not yet. Listen, I'm no handyman. I know how to make money when I want to. It's just good luck that brought me here. My good luck. There's meant to be something between us. I knew that the second you opened the door this morning. You're crazy. Let me go. Sure, I'll let you go. There. Well, why don't you run away from me now that you can? You mustn't say things like that. You mustn't. But I already have, and I will again. You weren't meant to be married to a dotty old dodo like the professor. You were meant to live. And I'm going to hang around here until I prove it to you. And so Martin Andrews joined the strange household in the swamps, the household where Professor Hansen plotted death for the insect world. Mary suggested to him that it had been a mistake to hire Martin so hastily without investigating his background. But her husband pooh-poohed her arguments, and she was silent. Knowing she could not explain that she was both frightened and fascinated by a man whom she'd seen for the first time that day. So Martin stayed, and in the days that followed, Professor Hansen found him invaluable. With his help, the work went much more quickly. And daily, as the work progressed, the number of insects swarming about the house increased buzzing and humming ominously as though news of the professor's success was spreading throughout the whole swamp. Then one morning in the laboratory... Time, Martin. Exactly 15 seconds, Professor. 15 seconds and every insect in the trap is dead. We've done it, Martin. Mary! Mary! Yes, John? What is it? Mary, we've done it. At last I found the formula that will kill any insect known almost instantly. Oh, John! Oh, I'm so glad. Yes, Formula 3970. Here it is. Just a few marks on this piece of paper. But it's man's final victory over the insect world. Ha! <laughs> Listen to the bugs outside. Hum, Professor. Yes. They sound almost like they knew what you'd done. Oh, yes, they do know. But they're helpless. They're beaten and they know it. Yes. Now I've got to write a note to Dr. Guernsey and Mr. Conway. Uh, Martin, wait here for me. Yes, yeah, sure, Professor. Martin, what are you doing with that formula? Just putting it in my pocket where it'll be safe. You know how the professor is, always losing things. Give it to me, please. I'll take care of it. No, I think I'd better hold on to it. But I have something else for you. No. Let me go. Let go of me. Ever since I... that first day. And I've been waiting. Till you know as well as I do that we were meant for each other. You must say such things. You do know it, don't you? No. No, I... Maybe this will convince you. Oh, Martin. Oh, Martin. Now you know it. Don't you? Yes. Yes. Oh, I'm crazy, I suppose, but I can't help it. You've got to go away, Martin. Now, today. You are to... crazy if you think I'm going without you. Oh, here comes the professor. We'll talk about it later. Martin, here's a note from Mr. Conway, the druggist. I've asked him to come out with Dr. Guernsey tomorrow night. Will you drive into town and deliver it to him, please? Sure, Professor. I'd be glad to. Right away. (laughs) 
Come in, Martin, quickly. Yeah. Oh, my, your clothes are covered with insects. Here, stand still a minute. I'll get rid of them. There. It takes care of that. How in the world did so many get on you? When I got out to open the garage door, they were crawling all over it. They dropped onto me. I couldn't knock them off. John! Oh, John! Yes, Mary? John! John, there, there are ants in the kitchen. A whole swarm of giant black ants. They're monsters. Giant ants in the kitchen? How did they get in? I don't know, but they're there. And more coming all the time. Well, never mind. We'll take care of them. Come on, Martin. Bring the spray gun. Right. They mustn't get into the house. I won't let them. They want to get at me, but they're not going to. There they are, John. All over the floor. These giant ants. The floor's black with them. And look at them come this way toward me. They know who I am. Quick, Martin. Use the spray. Yes, Professor. This will fix them. Ah. Look at them turn up their toes. Yeah. That finishes them. But how in the world did they get in? I thought I'd made this house insect-proof. Here are some more, coming through this hole in the woodwork. I'll take care of them. Now I'll plug up the hole. No more will come in that way. They're such big ants. I've never seen any that big before. And they were after me. But we've taught them a lesson. Professor, you've almost convinced me you're right. About the bugs hating you, I mean. What are you saying? It's the truth. You never saw so many bugs in your life as there are outside right now. When I got back from town, I could hardly see the house for the beetles and the flies and the hornets that are buzzing around it. And a couple of times, the car ran over columns of ants so thick I thought they were going to clog the wheels. Columns heading this way. Is that so? I must go over to the window and see for myself. Yes, good heavens, the screen is so covered with insects I can't see out. I'll give them a dose of your bug killer. That'll make them move on. Yeah, that cleared them off. Now, take a look outside, Professor. Did you ever see anything like that in your life? <gasps> oh! Good Lord, the sky is black with insects. Look at that swarm over the trees. Flying beetles, wasps, bees, loco... I can't identify them all. Yeah, and just listen to them. Listen to that song of hate. Don't say that. It, it's just a natural phenomenon. These swamps breed insects by the millions. Yeah, yeah, I know. And every one of those millions is headed right for this spot. But that's ridiculous. No, it's not. All the way to town, I didn't see a single bug. Because they're all gathered right around here, right around this house. You mustn't say that. He's right. They know what's happening here and they want to stop me. No, John, no. If you want my advice, the thing to do is make up all the Formula 397 we can. Those bugs ever get into this house, we're gonna need it. As the day wore on, the clouds of insects surrounding the old mansion in the swamps grew steadily bigger. At times, the house was almost hidden by the black swarms of tiny creatures flying and crawling over it, as if they really were trying to force their way inside. Only a few did get into the house through unnoticed cracks, but as night came on. John. Yes? John, the lights won't go on. They won't? No, look. Her fuse must have blown out. I'll go take a look, Professor. I have the flashlight. Thank you, Martin. I'll only be a minute. Listen to them, Mary. 
Listen to them swarming about the house, beating against the screens, trying to get in at me. Oh, John, they're just insects. They don't hate you. They don't? Well, then where have they come from? Why are they surrounding this house? Answer me that. Oh, I don't know. Martin agrees with me. He said so this afternoon. You mustn't pay any attention to Martin. Listen to them. If they could get in, we'd be dead in 15 minutes. There's death we hear humming and buzzing out there, Mary. Professor! Uh, Professor! Yes, what is it? Did you find the trouble? Yes, it's in the switch box, all right. All the fuses are blown out. All of them? But how? The switch box is full of little beetles. I don't know where they came from, but they caused a short circuit that blew out all the fuses. They did it on purpose. Oh, John! Well, anyway, we'll be using candles tonight. And there's another thing. What, Martin? The cellar is full of little white ants. I couldn't find out where they're coming from. White ants? Not ants, Martin. Those are termites. Well, termites, then. They're all over everything. Termites? They can eat their way through wood. They can eat holes that the other insects can enter through. Yeah. That's right, isn't it? Martin, come on. Get two insect sprays. We've got to get down there and destroy them before they destroy us. be billions of bugs out there. Crickets, bees, flies, hornets, wasps, ants, every kind of insect there is. It's a good thing you put tight screens on this house. John! What is it, Mary? Uh, I thought I felt the house shake then. Ah, don't let your imagination get you. I didn't feel anything. No, no, no. You must keep control of your nerves. I suppose I imagined it then. Oh, John, it's almost midnight. Are they ever going to go away? Maybe not. If the professor's right and they're after him, they'll just hang around until we starve to death. Or until they get in and finish us off. Oh, Martin, stop it. Martin is right. We've used up all the Formula 397, and if they ever do get into the house, we're doomed. I was just thinking that myself. We have got to get help. Go out of the house? Yes. Oh, oh no, John. Not all of us. But maybe if I were to take the car and make a dash for town, they might follow me. John, that's madness. In this sedan, with all the windows shut, they couldn't get at me, and in town I could get help. Yeah, yeah, you could. I could make up more Formula 397 at Conway's drugstore, and he and Dr. Guernsey can come back with me. And if we used a big pumper spray, we could destroy every insect that's outside. No! You mustn't try it. It sounds like a good idea to me. I'd go, only I couldn't mix the formula. No, John, you mustn't go out. Yes, I'm going to do it. If those ants ever get at the car, they'd cut the tires to shreds and then we would be at their mercy. I've got to go for help while I can. Then let's all go. We can all get in the car. It'd be safer to stay here. This house will hold them off for a good while yet. I think the professor's scheme is the best. All right, Martin. Now I'll get ready. And then you come downstairs and help me with the garage doors. And you're going to have to open and shut them awfully fast when I take the car out. Despite Mary's protests, Professor Hansen carried out his plan. With the car tightly closed, the motor racing, Martin flung open the garage doors. The car shot out into the night, the headlights showing great swarms of flying insects in its path. Then Martin swiftly closed and bolted the door again and hurried upstairs. Well, he's gone. Oh, why did you let him go? That ought to be obvious. What do you mean? I didn't let him go. I made him go. I put the whole idea in his mind so he'd go off and leave us alone here. Oh, no. Sure I did. I'm a bright boy. 
From now on, it's going to be just you and me and fun. What are you saying? John isn't going to come back from his little trip to town. I don't understand. No, I'll make it simple. In the first place, all those bugs outside don't mean a thing. When I was in town this morning, Conway the druggist told me it happens out here every seven years or so. There's something about the way the wind blows that makes millions of bugs come out of the swamp to swarm around this house in certain years. Oh, but then why did you pretend to believe John when he said it was because they were after him? Just so as he'd go to town for help. Those bugs are harmless. As soon as the wind shifts, they'll be gone. But then... Right this minute, John's driving to town as fast as he can go. And any second now, the steering gear is gonna bust. Oh, no. No. Yes, baby, because I fixed it to. And when that steering wheel goes, it'll be curtains for John. The car will hit a tree and you'll be free to marry me. We'll have Formula 397 and all the dough it'll bring in. That's murder. No, <laughs> it isn't murder. It's being smart. You've murdered John. I'm guilty too. Because I didn't make him send you away. Oh, you never really wanted me to go. I ought to love with you. And myself, too, but... But I... But you don't. No, Martin. I don't. That's more like it, baby. We'll always be together. Always. Forever, Martin. We... Martin! Huh? Something's happening. What? The house. It's, it's shaking. Oh, we've got to get out of here. The house oh. is caving in. It's very quick. Grab hold of me. Come on now, before... Look out! Conway, can't you drive faster? We must get back to the house. I'm driving as fast as I can, Professor. Professor, you must control yourself. That was a serious accident you were in. It's a miracle you weren't killed. Sure was. Where your car hit that tree, well, I'm just glad it wasn't me. Yes, 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 but please drive faster. Well, I should never have allowed you to return to your home with us. You should be in a hospital. But, Doctor, my wife and Martin, I've got to save them. Those insects, they hate me. They're out to destroy all of us. They'll kill my wife and Martin if we don't get there in time. Professor, you must calm yourself. I'm sure it isn't as serious as all that. Oh, Doctor, you're like everyone else. You don't know how dangerous the insect world is, but I know, and that's why they hate me, and that's why they're out to destroy me and my wife and Martin. Well, we're almost there. The house is just around this bend in the road. Yes, but please hurry. You mustn't slow down. Well, Professor, I, I gotta take this curve slow. After all, we don't want no more. Good Lord. <gasps> the house. It's collapsed. They've wrecked it. The insects have wrecked it. I told you they were out to get me. Now come quickly. We must find my wife and Martin. Uh, come along, Conway. This looks bad. Yes, Doctor. Mary! Mary, where are you? Mary, answer me. Conway, you'd better start looking through the wreckage. Okay, Mary! Mary, where are you? Oh, Lord, I've never seen so many bugs in all my life. We'd only had more of my Formula 397. We could kill all of them. All of them! But they won't get the better of me. They won't! Oh, Professor, what are you doing? 
There isn't any spray in that gun. It's empty. I'll show them. I'll show them. Doctor. Doctor. I found them. They're under the wreckage of the house. Oh, oh you'd better take me to them, Conway. Perhaps we can... It's say. too late, Doc. They're both dead. Dead? They're dead? Yes, Professor. They were killed by falling timbers when the house collapsed. No. No! It wasn't the falling timbers that killed them. It was the insect world that killed them. They tried to destroy me, and instead they murdered Mary. And now they're trying to break me down. But I won't let them. I won't let them. My formula. Formula 397. This spray will destroy them all. Yes. Yes. They're dying left and right. They're dying. You see? Doc, what, what's wrong with them? That spray gun's empty. Hey, yes, Conway, I know. I'm afraid he's completely mad. The insect world has destroyed his mind. This is the mysterious traveler again. And how did you enjoy our visit with the man the insects hated? Too bad about poor Professor Hansen, wasn't it? Yes, they found he'd gone completely mad, and in his madness had completely forgotten his newly discovered Formula 397, which would destroy all insects. Oh, what happened to the copy of the formula which Martin had stolen? Well, strangely enough, when Martin's body was removed from the wreckage. The formula was not in his pockets. Some people say that the insects... Oh, you have to get off here. I'm sorry. But I'm sure we'll meet again. I take this same train every week at this same time. <laughs> You have just heard The Mysterious Traveler, a series of dramas of the strange and terrifying. In today's story, the cast included Maurice Tarplin, Eric Dressler, Helen Shields, and Robert Dryden. Original music was played by Gene Parazzo. The Mysterious Traveler is written, produced, and directed by Bob Arthur and David Cogan. Listen next week to a tale titled, I Dream of Dying. Another strange and terrifying tale of the mysterious traveler. The mysterious traveler has come to you from our New York studios. Carl Caruso speaking. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. That's The Mysterious Traveler with The Man the Insects Hated, starring Maurice Tarplin from July 27, 1947, as heard over Mutual. 
Stick around, I'll give you our lineup for episode 58 of the Classic Radio Theater after this break. Next time on episode 58 of the Classic Radio Theater, brought to you by the Bradford Exchange, we'll hear two comedy episodes of the George Burns and Gracie Allen Show, so don't miss it. To reach me and to learn more about the Classic Radio Club, visit ClassicRadioClub.com. Be sure to tune into our next show. Thanks for listening. 